I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome everybody to a a new episode of Boots, Balls and Bras. We've got Eartha Pond and Farrell Williams in the studio in London while I'm sitting here at 4 a.m., in Los Angeles. Education, right there, guys. <laughs> and we wanted to make sure this pod get out, got out on time because we have the Lionesses facing the Matildas, the Australian national team, this evening. And we wanted to get into England's streak, man. This has been nuts. Farah Williams, most capped player for England, Male or female, I always like to throw that out there because it's still like, what? And you retired two years ago. We have Jill Scott coming on the program in the second half, one of the second, third, fourth, whatever cap players. Second? Second? Is she the second? Is she right behind you? Mm -hmm. All right. So we've got the one and two most cap players for England on the podcast today. Tell me what your thoughts are about England right now. Madness. Like, genuinely, it's an incredible record for any team to go 30 unbeaten with 25 wins within that. So only five draws. I think they've scored over 120 goals, only conceding 10. Um, I just think it's unbelievable for any team to achieve that, and especially at international level. And I know, you know, you could talk about the friendlies and qualifiers uh, in terms of, you know, the teams that the Lionesses have to face, but you still have to beat them. You still have to play these teams. You still have to put on a performance. And we're within that. They've won the European Championship. They've won the Arnold Clark Cup twice. So, mm. and then they've just won the, go on, Bex, you tell me the Femelissa, what's it called? Femelissima Femenina. So they've won four trophies within that running. Right. I just think it's an incredible run. The pressure that's on them, not just to win these trophies, not just to beat these teams, but to continue the record and continue mm. the unbeaten run. Um I think the way they've dealt with that is, has been good. I thought the game was really competitive the other mm-hmm. day against Brazil. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things about the Lionesses. There's still a lot to learn for them. But the fact that they stayed in the game and showed the composure to go on and win on penalties um, shows a different side to these Lionesses, I don't think. Yeah. And you know what I like, and I think people don't give enough credit to, is that they're going through a transition. There was a period mm-hmm. where there was players and, and big name players at that, that were sort of in and around the squad and sort of Serena's brought in new young fresh faces and they've been mm. able to sort of settle in. And it's really like having that, that balance, what I feel is like really good, but that balance on merit. And I think this is one of the bugbears of me that people <laughs> get selected because of the name on the back of their shirt not because they're playing on form or like they deserve not necessarily they don't deserve to be in that squad because they're good enough to be there but I think form is is everything mm. and I think for the way that Serena's gone in and managed that managed the characteristics and you hear it time and time again the transparency and that openness to have that conversation and to say this is why I'm doing this and you're currently not in the squad because of x y and z but yeah there's no sort of BS around it and it allows players to go Mm -hmm. away 
and do the work and try and perform and try and be consistent in order to earn that place in the squad. And for me, for a long time with with the England squad, that just wasn't there. And that's mm. why you see sometimes there's a lot of players that are on like 80, 90, 100, 100 plus caps. Are, which... you, are you digging at me, Eva? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, say um, it. Now you can say no, it. No, no. But, <laughs> well, why you ask for it? Yeah. <laughs> you really think like, mm, surely there's some other players who could have had like, yeah, not necessarily just have a cap just to have a cap, but they were good enough. They were playing consistent. I mean, even when you mentioned Farrell, when you were dropped, you were in the form of your life. Mm. Like, how do you have that when mm. someone's playing so well and then they still don't get picked? Yeah. So it, I guess for as a fan, as I guess for even for managers and coaches coming up to be able to see that example of good practice of this is what it looks like. This is what a good culture can look like within yeah. an um, international environment. I think is something that we, we shouldn't sort of shy against and we, we should really celebrate because I haven't seen it in my lifetime. Mm. And I've been following the, the Lionesses since like 1995. So for yeah. me, not because Serena's a teacher, obviously as an educator. Yeah. You want, but it you does know, help since you are too, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> teachers yeah, union, I, hashtag teachers union. Okay. Um, yeah. So in terms of that, just in terms of, yeah, another example of good practice. And I think it's great for young players coming through that they know if they perform well, there's a high likely chance that they will get the opportunity to play on the international stage. Yeah, so. because it's it's a really good point because you talk about the players that have been in the mix and they sometimes you get on national teams and because they're, you know, the the sort of legend for their country, they get to play. And and right now, actually, that topic's super relevant, right? Because we have Steph Horton, uh, who used to captain the team since, I want to say like 2012 was when she had her breakthrough, wasn't it? The Olympics, London 2012, when she scored probably against uh, New Zealand in the opening game or something to like launch her career. You're welcome, Steph. Um, but then obviously has had loads of injuries in the last couple of years. Uh, and recently we've seen her come out on uh, BBC Sport and say she wants closure on the situation. Have I got a chance or is it not possible? But I understand she can't provide that closure because there's a World Cup coming up. That was a quote from Steph Horton. What are your thoughts on that, Faz? Because you played with Steph for years and I yeah, played against her. No, it's an interesting topic. and you never get closure on your international career. I never, ever got closure on my international career. And obviously mm. we all know you, there becomes a point in your career where, you know, you are getting older, they are going to transition and look for younger, fresh, you know, players to take your place. But I think that throughout your career, sport is about that. You, you know, you're in at one minute, but whether you're in a club team, you're always looking to be replaced. So you're always yeah. just another number. You are just a number within this squad. And I only realized that later in my career, um, and understood what I actually was you know I'd signed for a new team but I know that you know it's not permanent and mm. you know and as soon as I signed they'd be searching for somebody else to replace me that's just how the game works mm. um but I understand it it's difficult when you feel like you're playing at a level that is good enough to still mm. be involved and I certainly felt that as a, an international player when I was left out of the squad I felt like I still had a lot to give to the squad whether it be from the start whether it be from the bench or whether it be just in the environment with the experience I had over 19 years being involved in a women's game at international level so I can see it from that point of view with Steph but once you get the armband taken off you as a you know as a player and you don't get selected it's mm. and you miss a big tournament at that age is very unlikely you're then going to be picked after that tournament and so yeah. from when she was left out of the Euros and she really worked really hard to get herself into that squad mm -hmm. and get herself fit from when she's left out of that squad I feel like that should have been her closure mm -hmm. I feel like she 
accepted then that that was her career pretty much done with the, inter- the international. And I did that in 2019 with the with the World Cup. I realised when I wasn't selected for that at the age of 35, there wasn't much hope I'd get picked after. Having said that, because Phil never had made a statement saying, you know, my career wasn't over, I was an international. I mm-hmm. think he made a point to pick me in the first camp after that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he gave two substitute appearance caps. And my last game being against Australia. And then yeah. I never got picked again. So I think it was a token gesture kind of, oh, I've said that she is not over. Uh, oh. I'll prove that win and I won't pick her again because I never got picked after that. So, yeah, mm. it was over after the not getting picked for that 2019. And I feel like Steph needs to kind of accept that now as as good as she's playing. And I've seen her recent performances with Manchester City. Yeah, They have been yeah. very good. And I, I see her argument. She's probably feeling as though she's performing better than mm. the second choice defenders. So I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say Millie Bright or Leah Williamson, but she might be looking at somebody like uh, Lotta Weaver Moy who hasn't had much game time. And when she has, mm-hmm. probably hasn't been the most consistent. Mm. She's probably looking at those players and going, I feel like I'm playing better than her. The mm. problem is, Lot has a lot of time on her as in age. So she's a lot younger. So she's got more time to develop. Yeah. You're not going to go backwards to go forward. So you're not going to take Steph at 34, 35 now. 34 to then years go, old. Yeah. You're going to go, I'm going to stick with Lotta. She's young. She's going to make mistakes, but she's going to develop through that. So I think that, you know, when I, when I think about Serena Wiegmann and her, and her four, you know, centre backs now, she's not looking past them. And I think mm. she's going to give them you need to develop within that so it's a difficult one I, I totally can see it from both uh, point of views mm-hmm. and look none of us and we heard Steph say that what she said to her she's probably never gonna say that in public so they've yeah. obviously had conversations yeah. um, about where she's at and yeah I think I don't know whether having those conversations has given her the closure it doesn't sound like it has well and it's a it's a really interesting one too because you, you touched on it but Vigman as a manager but as an international coach in general it's that mix of making sure you're building the young players giving them the experience so that when those players like a Steph Wharton were to step away from the game that you have a lot of Wubamoy coming through and making sure that she has enough experience she can actually run in a World mm-hmm. Cup or Olympics because as we know the difference between club and international can be literally like night and day we used to call it IP international pain when <laughs> you step on you're just like what is happening um, but Beegman has won 25 of her last 30 games in charge, as you mentioned. Her side has scored 138 goals, conceded only 10, never more than one in a game. And we talk about the fact that Jill Scott's coming on the pod for the second half, woot woot. But she did a great job with Jill, for example, you know, one of the Mm -hmm. older players who she sort of put on the bench, transitioned into a different role. And it'll be interesting to ask Jill how she felt about that, like, transition, won't it? A hundred percent. And I, I was going to touch on that. I think just, just to confirm for clarification, I'm still waiting for opening and closure on my <laughs> international career. But on a, um, wait, on Ursa, a- wait, 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 before we move forward, like you played in the national teams, right? Tell no. us about your career or your, how you did with the England team. Did you ever no, get a call? I- did you ever tell us? No, I just, I just made it up to youth level. I think they knew quite early on that me being in the squad would be a different type of squad. So uh, <laughs> that would be a nice way to put it. I think we Typical need a whole, coaching we need, we need language. A whole show that, they right? would say she's uncoachable, which I'm wasn't uncoachable. true, but that was, that was, would be I the language. I was the Lauren James of the 90s. I was just, un- <laughs> I was uncoachable. But I think like you mentioned right. in terms of Jill Scott and her role, I was about to say in terms of Steph Houghton, she also brought that leadership, like she was someone who led the team. There's yeah. someone else who's now taken up that position in terms of mm. leading the team. So actually, when looking at just her performances, what benefit does it bring to kind of mix that up? Like 
Farah said, you have younger players who need to gain that experience, who have that time to to build into that. By bringing Steph in, what's the difference between someone who's got time to build and performing well or someone who's performing well, but literally that's about it. And I think with the other characters within the squad, I think that's where you look at the management of Serena and she says, actually, the culture of the team and what we've got and the pieces that we require it's it's neither here or there to, to add a Steph out and she like the stuff the attributes that she brings we also have that in abundance mm. so I think unless she's having a standout performance in terms of scoring loads of goals as well as being really defensive and, and adding something different I can't really see I guess the reasons why but I think she's mm-hmm. obviously still a great player she's still performing well yeah. but again you have to look at the bigger picture and I think yeah. that's that's what I love about Serena in terms of she does what she needs to do in terms of on the pitch and mm-hmm. and off the pitch mix, off, yeah. yeah off the pitch stuff stuff that in terms that yeah. she can't really have an impact on she doesn't really try to the stuff that she can manage and the stuff that she can really drive and change she's at the forefront and she's definitely leading from from the front for sure and a good life lesson yeah let me just add to that because obviously characters I think is important so when you talk about Jill I think Jill and Steph both are different characters and obviously you have to play a role when you become a sub and it's completely different from being mm-hmm. a regular star. So maybe that And some part. can't do that, right? Some can't. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been very good. <laughs> but um, you know the funny thing, just off the back of that, with with the Steph situation, when Viegman took the Netherlands job in 2017, I think she took mm-hmm. the job maybe six months prior to those home Euros. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandy Vandenberg, is it? She yep. was the Netherlands captain, and she literally played the opening game yeah. and then was dropped after that. And then obviously the armband was stripped. So it just seems to be like, not that, I don't want to say it's a pattern, but the same thing happened to the Netherlands. And I remember Mandy, after those 2017 Euros, I'd signed for Reading Mm. and she then retired from the national team. So pretty similar. I don't know if she got the closure, but Mm. I mean, gone in. And I think managers tend to do that. When they take the team, they like to change the manager. Steph is an example of that. When he had stripped Casey of the armband without even, Casey actually found out on, I think it was BBC or ITV. Oh no, so Casey come on. watching the news when the armband was announced or Steph was announced as a new captain. So I think Steph would realise that that does happen mm. and you probably don't get the closure that you want. But yeah, there was an example of that with uh, Viegman when she did the Netherlands national team. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, another thing that's interesting about this team in general, getting back to just the Lionesses, is you have goals coming from all over the pitch. Obviously, Mead, uh, Beth Mead, who was on our pod two weeks ago. So if you haven't heard that one, get into that because she was amazing. Um, but as a top scorer, she has 21 goals in that period of unbeaten. Uh, Toon has 14, White and Stanway 13 each, Russo 11, and Hemp 10. So you you know, arguably you've got Mead out, White retired. So, but you still have Toon, Stanway, Russo, and Hemp with over ten goals each in thirty games. And those aren't those aren't even the full list of you know. We have Millie Bright who friggin' scored in the Arnold Clark Cup, and you know, so so just their scoring power is amazing too. But but you know, a question on the defense because Millie Bright's obviously injured right now. Do we know when she's going to be coming back? Do you think that will make a difference for Steph? I mean, first of all, I just want to say I think it's brilliant that Steph's come back, period, with everything that's going on off pitch with her. Um, her husband obviously has a very uh, long illness uh, and being able to come back after, like you said, she's 34 years old and being play- playing so well for Man City. I just think that deserves a bloody big pat on the back to begin with. But what about Millie and, and that situation? 
I'm gutted, man. I saw her on crutches and nothing's come out about her. I actually didn't know the, uh, the seriousness of the injury. I mean, we still don't. Mm. It's not out there as to what she's actually done. Mm. And I heard, I remember I was covering the Chelsea game. Um, can't remember who it was against. It was against Manchester City mm. on the Sunday before they played their midweek game against Lyon in the return fixture of the Champions right. League. And Emma Hayes had said in an interview before the Manchester City game that she'll be fit and ready to go for the midweek Leon game and obviously was then not available. Mm. And then I just seen her just yesterday, you know, when she was in the, she went to see some of the lionesses and she had crutches. Mm. So what is the injury? Like, I want to know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's an injury that she'll be back for come the Euros, but is it one that's going to keep her out for the rest of the season? Which, yeah. you know, is going to be huge if that's the case, because I don't know, I think she's a, a massive part of, you know, not just the, the lioness team, but obviously the Chelsea team. And I think we've we seen that in the second half um, of the Lionesses against Brazil Earth like I don't yeah. know if you agree but I, you know that that leader I felt like they missed that a little bit with Millie in in that game 100% I th- like Millie does what Millie does we've seen it she's consistently just grown from strength to strength and she's a player that you want to be ever present mm-hmm. uh, all the time and you can see the amount of minutes that she's played why she's so crucial and so important I think for her it's just about managing the injury I think she's got to be a little bit selfish now in terms of her recovery and I'm sure that the medical team and psychologists all the well-being pieces around her will make sure that's that's possible but having a player like Millie missing from any team is is a worry so I think for for her club team and, and for country it's just about her getting back fit her being ready to play um because what you don't want her doing is rushing back and then potentially yeah. getting re-injured or Mm-hmm. rushing back, not being ready and then getting injured quite early on in the World Cup because then, mm-hmm. again, we find ourselves in a situation where we're, we're not, not necessarily we're not prepared because, as you can see with the squad, we're preparing in, in all different variations that could possibly um, arise in terms of international and, and club level, but she's definitely an asset to, to any team that mm-hmm. she's that she's part of. So we wish uh, a speedy recovery for sure because mm-hmm. we want to see, like I said, we want to see the best players playing in mm-hmm. in the tournament and yeah we don't want we don't want any injuries yeah and she is one of the best if not the best center back um on the planet i would say side by side with Wendy Renard so we've got 20 different england players who've scored all together for Vigman in addition to six opposition own goals i mean that's quite a lot of own goals i mean the pressure they're putting on um opposing goals and in that box must be pretty big to have given away six own goals from their opposition but we've got england versus australia tonight the matildas the matildas predictions I mean this is a good team and they're going into a home world cup I was looking forward to this game but they've got injuries haven't they so they haven't got there's no um Catley there's no Caitlin Ford there's no um what's wrong with Caitlin Ford I didn't know that yeah she pulled out before the game who's the one um center half for uh Manchester City she's at Tottenham can't think off the top of my head you know anyway the big tall one oh Zadorsky Shut up her phone. No, <laughs> always does that. <laughs> anyway, they had and then they've just had somebody else pull out of the of the camp. So they've got like four starting players mm. already pulled out of their camp. They lost to Scotland midweek. Yes, yeah, so at least three now. For me, like yeah, I, that was a shock result for me. I mean the goal was mm. phenomenal, by the way. Oh yeah. The goal they conceded, the keeper ain't stopping that. But yeah, I was hoping this was gonna be a more competitive game. I hope that mm. it still is. And it might be different given the fact that it's not a Wembley. Um, it could be a more competitive. I'm interested to see how, because obviously Alex Greenwood's gone home now. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining it'll be Leah and Lotta Weaver Moy at centre half. Mm-hmm. How they do with 
uh, Sam Kerr up front and her movement. Uh, will Australia be more direct and obviously use that movement and speed of, of Sam Kerr to get beyond this England back line? So mm. they'll, up, uh, they'll be up against it tonight. I think I was hoping tonight would be more competitive. Um, I don't think it will. But I'm not sure think it will. might be a comfortable win for England. Um, I can't see, but we'll see. Australia having that much possession, though, in terms of... They don't of, like, need to. They could be direct with Sam Kerr. That's what I'm saying. But it's just, and then what else is off her? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. When you're looking at the best of the best in terms of Lionesses, the pieces that will be picked up, up in and around that challenge from Sam Kerr or the running on mm. or the covering, I can't see anyone else causing that much of a threat. That's the whole mm-hmm. piece. Like, you can get it to Sam Kerr and she could do magic, but there's too much in and around Let's her. Let's hope so. So what's your score prediction then? Mm. <laughs> I, said, I said at least 3-0. You think? 3 yeah. nil. Oh. No, do you think? Yeah. Okay, maybe two one England. So at least yeah, three nil. Emily Van Egmond is has drawn, withdrawn as well. She I played with her at Newcastle like a thousand years ago in Australia, and her okay, yeah, her and they've got quite a yeah. few of their starting players out for this yeah. game. Yeah, you're right. Remy Simpson's been called up. Um, yeah, yeah, since mm-hmm. signing for Leicester City. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no. Oof, do you guys oh, think Kennedy. It was Kennedy who I meant. There we go. Oh, Alana. Alana, Alana Kennedy. Kennedy out, yeah. yeah. She's got in the squad, so yeah. yeah oh, gosh. I didn't realize yeah. how many injuries. Yeah. I think Six you might nil. be right. You're going to laugh. Okay, you're going to laugh now. It's not going to be that much. Now. I don't think we've ever... We've only ever beat Australia by like three goals when uh, Jodie Taylor scored them. I don't think we've beaten them by a big distance before. 6-0. 6-0. I have been smoking something this morning. I'm telling you, it's all that food and everything. Okay, Earth is 6-0. What is yours again? 3-0? 2-1. I might go with um, 2-0 then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Can I get five yeah. and six nil, just in case this... <laughs> it works. Five, yeah. five oh. and six nil. It's one of those... <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our first half. Second half, Beck, Erfa, Jill Scott, legend of the the game before she's queen of the jungle. Because, yeah, I think that she's obviously queen of the jungle and people are remembering her for queen of the jungle. But her footballing career speaks for itself and what she's done. She's an absolute legend of the women's game. Mm -hmm. So I'm as excited as I'm hoping the viewers are to hear what she's got to say in our second half. Isn't navigating the women's game a bit like the jungle anyway? <laughs> yeah, this is true. you know what? I knew she'd be able to deal with the jungle because it's like camp. Like we used to go to camp and it used to feel like prison camp. We weren't allowed anywhere. Like we couldn't yeah. even leave the bedroom. So to be like. stuck in a jungle and entertain herself. It was like work for Jill, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. And what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure you tune in to our second half where we have Jill Scott that wraps up our first half of Boots, Balls and Bras. All right, 
So, heading into our second half, we have the one and only Jill friggin' Scott. <laughs> no, what, Jill, Jill let, can I, I'll kick it off because I want to like, I want to know, obviously retirement, obviously winning the Euros, right, and then you announce retirement not long after that. Having watched you in the Euros and obviously playing for Villa in that six-month period up to the Euros or five-month period, whatever it was, I believe you still had a lot more to give in terms of the game and being able to play. Was mm. there... No better way to finish, or was there other factors in terms of announcing retirement the way you did? Um, I was in a lot of pain, to be honest. My my time with Aston Villa, I I was so lucky with injuries throughout my career. I think mm. I think I only missed like ten days maximum my whole career. Like so, That's I was insane. so I was yeah, I was so lucky. I was so lucky. Um, obviously, there's so many injuries that you get. There's not sure, but there's also managing your body correctly, which you did that. So, so yeah, I, I did learn that kind of, especially when I went to Manchester City and I think having a manager that understood that, Nick Cushion was, was really good with that. So he did allow us to kind of manage myself in that way. But you have to be accountable to your performance on a weekend. If you're saying, I'm not training on a Thursday because you know you're going to be struggling come game day, I think you need a manager that understands that, but also you need to be putting in performances um, but yeah, leading up to the Euros, I, I was in a lot of pain with my knee. I've just been for a run there and I get the 20 minutes and I'm just in agony. So I think people probably didn't see that bit right at the end. Um, even in the Euros, I was training for, say, two days, three days. And then I just spend the whole day trying to get the fluid off my knee so I could go again. So I'm mm. kind of, I think the retirement decision, yeah, it was the perfect ending. But I wouldn't have got through a full season like I would have liked to um, say now. And you know me, I'm all or nothing. I would have hated to have, like, it, if I'm being honest, if, I, if I'd if i stayed, uh, if I'd done another year, probably would have been in Aston Villa. I think I would have signed there. I was really enjoying it. But I wouldn't have been able to play every single game. And I think that would have killed us. So quickly around your... Um relationship with your manager we've seen all the injuries that we've had so so far this season in the WSL do you think as the game's growing and becoming more professional that we can't lose sight of that sort of play and management in order to make sure that we're getting the best in our league Uh, I think that's the most important thing I I really do and you have some fantastic managers don't get us wrong but I think they're managers that have emotional intelligence and that look ahead Mm. so for example, things that used to do my head in was, say you'd had a full season and then you had a tournament. As a player, you come back from a tournament so depleted, you're absolutely knackered physically, mentally. Um, and I think some managers will then, they've had 10 weeks off. So you come in and they're like, right, we're going for the Champions League, the FA Cup, the Premier League. And I remember after one particular tournament, I actually like, I got in after two weeks off and I just wasn't ready to come back. And I remember, like, actually breaking down. We had, like, Mm. fitness testing and I did okay. But I think that side of it is so important. We need to look at it and be like, right, if you've got player X who's had a full season, they're going to a tournament, they're playing six, seven games at that level, who's then managing them coming back in? So I do think that's Mm -hmm. an area, personally, that I think we could be better at. And, you, you know, you talked about the Euros, uh, well, Farah mentioned it in your intro, um, but 161 caps for England, almost as many as Farah Williams. Um, but <laughs> she 20, deserves that. 
<laughs> oh, 27 goals, at least one of them against New Zealand. Like an amazing year, obviously, including the everything else. But can we just look back quickly at the Euros? I know you've probably done a thousand million gazillion interviews about it and you might be bored of saying it, but like, how was it winning the Euros after your career? Because you've been around since I've been around and then you were still going and I just thought, <laughs> how the hell is she doing that? And then you get to end it on winning the Euros. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> No, but is there I, something I never, else that you haven't seen said said to other people as well that No, I know. never get sick of talking about it ever. Oh. It was such a special moment. And I've been back to Wembley as a fan. I did a bit of punditry there recently and even like the girls that you were there with, it's just such a special kind of moment and it's made Wembley that little bit more extra special if it ever can be, just because of the, the memories that we have. But <clears throat> for me, it's about the bigger picture. Obviously, sitting here with Farah. Not this is how we have to catch up nowadays because we're both quite busy. Not <laughs> too bloody busy. That's why. <laughs> we're not trying to get you on here. We try to get you on here since the start of the season. I rang Farah the other day because I was going on holiday, and I was like, "I'm sure I'm next to Farah's house," and I literally just rang and said, "I'm coming for a cup of tea." And I was like, "It's nice to actually do that because people never do that anymore, do they? Just turn up unexpected." Um, but yeah, I think just with the Euros for everybody that had gone before, people that had played, obviously, Eartha, um, league football when it was for nothing really, do you know what I mean? Everybody that just loved the game had put in a little bit of time and I think that win was just for everybody and I, I really do mean that and I hope kind of on the back of it we can help take women's football to that next level. So to be a part of it, I was there Sometimes I felt like I was there as a fan because I was just loving the journey. I wanted England to win so much. Then to actually step on the pitch in the final, it, it's just too special to even talk about sometimes, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what, on, on that, like I was like, for me, obviously watching it and, and obviously being pitch side throughout the Euros, um, doing punditry and stuff, like obviously to have you and the likes of Ellen that have been there from like, certainly when I played and really early on through the difficult periods, was obviously nice to see you both be able to to pick up gold finally, having, you know, got bronze and silver in 2009. But what, for, for me, like, we had great players over the years, Jill, and, like, what was so different about this group? Was it, like, was it heavily the manager that, like, kind of got the best out of the players? Because we had great players over the years that maybe, I'm looking back thinking, was it the managers or was it we as players not as good as we thought? What do you think the difference Yeah, was? there were so many close moments over the years, wasn't there? And I do think that with tournaments, like I look at 2015, Fabi, you absolutely smashed that tournament. But I remember it was such a fine line in us going out, like such a fine line. And I think I look at 2019 when Ellen was offside in that USA game by like oh, yeah. half an inch. The toenail. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I do think, don't get us wrong, Serena's amazing. We've got great players. We've got very humble young players who are very, very good. Like Lauren Hemp doesn't even know how good she is. And I think she's incredible. And she'll sit there and she'll ask you questions. And so I think it's a bit of a combination of everything. But I do think that it was just like it was building up to this special tournament because to keep the same 11 players on the pitch like every game, that is just something's happening. You know what we used to say back in the day? Something's happening, something's happening. And it was like that. I was like, how has nobody got injured? Like, obviously, there was still COVID around. Um, 
So, yeah, it's really hard to pinpoint it. Serena's very good. I think everybody spoke about Serena a lot. She just she just strips it right back. That's the thing that I like about Serena. I think she has plan A, B, C, D in her head. But she just makes it seem so simple. I, I remember doing fitness when she first came in, and she's like, why have you not got a ball at your feet? She's like, you're trying to get better at football. Where's the football? And I know it, sound, it sounds something so obvious, but for years we just ran and... Yeah, obviously the game's developed, but it was just a special tournament and I feel like we're probably the best prepared team there, but you can never prepare for them little inches, mm. I suppose. You know what, Joe, we've got, like, you've probably, spoke, like, probably, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know about your career and we've only got you on for a short time, so what I guess my selfish self is really interested about is, like, what's been happening post-retirement, how are you coping without football, Um I know you're very much like me. When I retired, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I need a regular income, blah, blah, blah. You look busy. Are you enjoying retirement? Uh, I am, you know, and I've really surprised myself at, like, how I felt, which I'm kind of I'm, – I'm just about to book in, actually, to, like, speak to somebody just about how I'm feeling, like, away mm-hmm. from everything because I think sometimes we're, there's been a massive change in my life, but I actually feel okay. But I think sometimes prevention's better than cure. So I'm just aware that maybe everything might hit us like soon. Um, I was at St George's Park seeing the girls. We had a coffee and everything. And I do miss them a lot. I really do. I'm kind of at peace with the football because, as I say, my, my knee hurts us. So I kind of know that I can't play. But I think it's important to try and stay ahead of the game a little bit and how you're feeling. But I feel good. It's been very busy, very busy. But... What, what's busy look like? What have you been doing busy? Like, let, let us into like, I've seen you do some, that, that was good. Good analysis of England and Italy. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing, um, yeah, I did a did a little bit of the punditry. Uh, I've done a little bit of that. I've done, so yeah, I've been going around like businesses and talking about kind of my experiences of being part of a team. I've really enjoyed that. Out of everything, I've probably enjoyed that the most. Like, just them little things you learn over the years. And there's so many crossovers between sport and business. And I think when I come away from them events, if you feel like you've helped like one, two percent, um, it just makes it worthwhile. But I am going to be getting back into coaching. So hopefully it'll probably be the new season now. But yeah, just little little bits of random stuff, really. That's fun. That's so cool. And all the things you like couldn't do because you're like, I don't have a weekend. Um, but what I want to go Queen of the Jungle because obviously, like everybody watched it, and I'm not from England, so this was like, wait, what is going on? It was kind of like Survivor. But w- what are the scenes that you really liked or you thought were really good that got cut? Like, was there anything that we didn't see that you were, you were like, that was right there? Before you answer this, Jill, me and Erfa are so annoyed at you, yeah, because. She liked what's about not going in. And we said to her, we didn't believe her anyway because she's the worst liar, especially because I know her. So we thought, obviously it was rumoured that Jill was going into the jungle. We'd been at a boxing event with Jill like maybe about two weeks prior to her going and jetting off to Australia. Jill, bare-faced lied to us, but we asked her to do one thing, was that when you're in the jungle, just do like a little sign to us, you know, like so we can kind of connect on that. Like, we didn't do it. I know, I thought... I felt bad I had my, both my nephews telling us to do something, Shelley and the girls telling us to do something. I would have just been sat there, like, doing all this <laughs> random stuff. But, yeah, you know what? I haven't, Farrell will be the first to tell you that. 
I don't really like analysis and stuff like that. I didn't really do it as a player. I think whatever works for you works for you. Farah loved analysis, and that's why she's so good at the punditry now. But um, mine was, I haven't watched it back. I think I'm just, I think what helped us with the jungle is when I'm in a situation, I can really just adapt to being in that situation. So I think I did that quite well. But then when it's over, for me, it's over and it's on to the next thing. So... Yeah, there was probably a few scenes, but I've made made good friends. Um, I met like Boy George for a coffee the other day. Um, I seen seen Chris Moyles at, at a concert. So yeah, it's nice to kind of make them friends, and yeah, I think that's the best thing that's came out of it, really. But Jill, I know you from being your roommate, right? How did you get in a coffin with rats? How did you even stand up on a log? You're scared of heights. You're petrified of rats and enclosed spaces. I'm like. How are you doing that? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think you just do it though. Like Farah, you'd surprise yourself. You would surprise yourself. Yeah, I'm not a team yourself. player like that. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like Farah Kelly Smith stuck on a ledge. Go and help her. You'd be like, no, it's fine. She'll get herself out of it. <laughs> but yeah, horrible child. How did you do it? The rats were like, I was going to say, how do you think Farah will get on? Uh, I think she'd surprise herself. Yeah. I do. She'd scream. <laughs> she'd scream a lot more than me and be very dramatic. But I think Farah can do anything she sets her mind to. So yeah, are you signing yeah, up for next yeah. year, Farah? Yo, I promise you, I'm petrified of absolutely everything that, and I'm that stubborn. If I, if you're telling me to do it, you know I'm not doing it. You've seen it before, like team events. You're the person I talk about in my talks about building a team. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? No the, one, the one person that won't join in the team event. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can't get no work. <laughs> I don't mention names. I don't mention names. No, but... No, but I know. If, you know, Fabi, you wouldn't actually survive because when you're in there, basically, you just have to do whatever the producers tell you to do. And when you go out on trials, they put, like, a towel over your head, you get bundled into a van, and you just, like... Yeah, you just have to oh. go along with it. So I felt Sounds like, like SAS. Yeah, like me, Owen and Scarlett were just like, oh, we're here, like buzzing to be there. Whereas I think the people that were more established celebrities, say like George, he was like, what are you doing to me? And I totally <laughs> like understood it. But we would just kind of like go along with it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, you have to do as you're told so far. I think you'd struggle with that. What about um, Lionesses? 30 games unbeaten. Were you at Wembley with the over 80,000 people there cheering and screaming? Did you do punditry or did you watch? Or I think the last three games I've walked the Ewells trophy out and then that one I said, can someone else not do it? They were like, yeah, but it'll be really good. And obviously for me, get seven World Cups. I, I kept going to her. I was like, as if you've played in seven World Cups. And she was just like, yeah. I'm like, that is incredible. Like, actually incredible. So, yeah, it was a great honour to do it. But the girls, I felt a bit like John Terry in some moments, you know, where you're still, <laughs> you're still trying to cling on. Like, <laughs> the trophy and Kira's going, Jill, get on the podium. And I'm just like, are you joking? I'm not going to jump on the podium when I haven't even played or anything. You tried to do like mini Euros. I was so, and then you floored me. <laughs> I'm yeah, we saw your celebration. Oh, yeah, but we're just so happy. And I think going back to that first point, like, God, Farry, you've been the centre of the England team for how many years was it? 18 or something? 19. 
yeah. yeah, 19, 19 years. And I'm like, that's what I mean. We were the lucky ones that got to be part of that squad. But I love seeing that celebration. It comes out all the time. But me, Lucy, just <laughs> sort of... Earth was the one that captured it on video. Yeah, Earth, you videoed it, didn't you? Farah, actually, I'll I'll go back to this point. 2015, Canada, right? You know how Farah's just said, World Cup, Farah's just said she was scared of heights, everything like that. Yeah. She kind of, she was hanging around with Lucy and a few of the other girls after, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not scaring talking. people. We went along, I was walking along. This road, and I see Farah pretty much flying a helicopter. <laughs> Explain, Farah. I know. Uh, you know what? I, I, I hate flying. Like, I'm the worst flyer. But for some reason, you know, I was I, I pretty much spent the 2015 with some of the kids, like Jordan and Lucy and that, and Demi, and they were like, oh, let's get on this, uh, let's go on the water plane. But part of me thought, I can't even swim, but I thought if it crashed onto the water, I'd be safer than if I crashed onto land. <laughs> and then I was like, the pilot was saying to me, if you sit in the front, you don't get the turbulence. So, like, I sat next to him and I'm driving the plane to our, like, takeoff point, like, holding his fingers and moving. Honestly, we used to enjoy, when we, like, was up, we weren't that high up in the air. We just went down, like, I think it was Vancouver. And then when we landed it, Lucy and that were like, oh, my God, the worst turbulence. I was like, really? <laughs> I didn't feel I was, like, buzzing. <laughs> Honestly, this is Farah, who'd been my roommate for years. I'd sat next to her on planes. I had scratch marks off her on the flight. And then she's up in the air in Vancouver with her. Yeah, we're just landing now. <laughs> it's so true. In terms of, like, leadership, is there anything that you'd want to do in terms of, like, managing the game? We talked so much about not losing the generation before and there's, like, great experience and mindsets and... You talk about obviously speaking to corporates. Would you like to sort of come into the boardroom um, in terms of like maybe like an FA board or obviously looking at the WSL and how that's sort of growing in terms of the game? Earth is great at stuff like that. You know what? There's a lot of the girls that do want to go into that side of things. I think the likes of like Karen Bardsley, Geordie Taylor, like the very like logical mindset um in terms of helping make a change 100% and speaking about my experiences but um I think being on the grass is where I'd kind of want I I think that's where I see myself and not necessarily I'm not saying I'm good enough to be a manager but I think an assistant would be my best kind of role because I feel like you can still have a bit of banter with the players um and obviously they do like uh, quite a bit of the coaching as well but yeah, I think the, the boardroom stuff, I think there's people that's probably more kind of qualified and stuff than me, but hopefully by sharing some experiences, kind of, the then people sometimes come to me to say, can you like give us a bit of like what happened at this point? So I, I'm, I like to stay behind the scenes in that sense. Mm. But So you do want to coach, you want to be like a head coach eventually? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, you don't realise how busy it is, though. I know Farrah did some coaching. Um, you can't just clock off at 2, 3 o'clock. You're there till, like, 5, 6. So to go back into a heavy football schedule straight away. But I'm going to just get myself back on the grass. And then if, if an opportunity does come up in the future, at least I can say I'm coaching and kind of keeping on top of it. But I never make a long-term plan, so I don't know. Okay, and into our extra time, we have a few BBB fan questions. Thank you guys for sending these in for Jill uh, and for us. And here we go. All right, who's the best player you've ever played with? Farrell Williams. 
Is it actually though? Come on. No, you know what? In terms of when I was younger, she'd give us a tough time, but without her, I would never have learned what I learned to play. She she made everyone realise what you what level you needed to be at to be an international footballer and I was nowhere near it. So I'm very grateful for her telling us off a lot of the times. Um but yeah, and then the fact that we ended up being such good friends, which we still are now. It's actually a really nice little story. I think that just shows the person you are, Joe, because I was an absolute bitch. I was terrible. I was. And you know what it was? A part of me was like, I I learned from very young and through my uncle, it was like, basically, to love the game, you've got to understand the game. And so he literally, like, drilled into me, you've got to know how to play the game. You can't just, you know, fall in love with it if you don't understand it. So in terms of, like, tactically, like, I was, like, literally, like, I, would, I would say at the time, probably a little bit, further ahead than some other people in terms of physically everybody else was fitter than me and whatever else and so like for me they would prefer to run and I would prefer to organise and and do less running and try and manage the game that way but I give Jill a terrible time but I think I knew she had talent and obviously she's gone on to achieve what she's achieved but it was one of those where like I felt like I could give her something that she probably didn't have at the time and she had everything she could play football she could run she could do all the things I couldn't do and there was stuff that I could do that she couldn't. So I think that, like, we needed to help each other with that. But, yeah, if it was reversed, I'm not sure I'd have been patient and been her friend now. <laughs> so I think she's the person that Jill is because, yeah, we are really, really good friends now. Um, I don't know how because I was, yeah, an awful teammate at the time to her. Okay, so, and Jill, this is not a quick fire question, but Farah mentions it sometimes. She's like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I could coach because I'm, like, a little bit too hard, you know, whatever. She talks about, she gives herself, She's quite critical, right? For herself, critical. What was what was she like though as a teammate? Oh no, she was a great teammate. I think what people didn't see about far very competitive. I remember small sided games. Her and Casey nearly came to blows after every small sided game. I know she was competitive. She was so competitive. But I think if you were to ask when she says she hung around with the younger players in 2015 and. Farrah would have everybody laughing. She was always playing pranks, stuff like that. So I think people see the serious side of Farrah, but she definitely has that joking, funny side as well. So I think people probably don't get to see that. Okay, and who is the best player you've played against, Jill? You know what? Back in the day, a player I didn't like playing against was Jane Ludlow. I think because I was like 18, she was a bit older than me. And I remember just being terrified. I was like, she was going to smash us. She could run. Um, and I just felt like she was another level. So I, I didn't like playing against Lods. Okay. Interesting as an England player, isn't it? Or UK player. Yeah. 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 Well, obviously, yeah. I think when we when I stepped out to play for England, if it, like obviously I got to play in such incredible midfields and I think we always felt confident especially if you had Kelly Smith on your team I'd be like I felt like we could face face anyone but yeah I think when I think back to them games it was like Everton Arsenal and it was big games and inside I was terrified but I was like Jill you just have to show that you're not scared (laughs) just fake it first childhood song that comes to mind I can't even think of mine oh Boyzone so good I love Boyzone and uh, I'm I'm trying to meet Ronan Keaton actually. So I was on the one show recently, which he does, but he was poorly. So yeah, I love boys on love boys. Oh, that's cool. Winning the Euros or winning I'm a Celebrity? Oh, the Euros by a mile. Mum's roast dinner or a tea and coffee? I would definitely choose a tea over your mum's roast, Jill. Sorry, Jill's mum. 
Can I have mum's roast and then a box-to-box coffee after? <laughs> you can do whatever you want, Jill Scott. The thing is, I can't get through a day without coffee. I could get through a day without a roast dinner, so might have to be coffee. <laughs> Who was your best roommate? Oh, I've got to say Farrakush is there. <laughs> <laughs> She was the best and the worst roommate. She was the best mate roommate because she was never there, <laughs> but loved the cup of tea. So when she was there, she'd make you a cup of tea. But the worst roommate because she was so bloody messy. <laughs> yeah. The family would, like, tidy my corner up, fold all my clothes. Okay, so amazing footballer, legend in the game. If you wasn't a footballer, what would you be in terms of occupation? Oh, God. It's a tough one. I always used to say like a PE teacher or something like that. It would have had, it would have had to be something outside. But if it was now, probably I'd love to just work in the coffee shop, a barista. Although someone someone walked past us the other day and they went, "There's that barista," and I was like, "I'll take that." <laughs> <laughs> the men, the men barista. I was like, "I'll take barista." Okay, no allegiances. Who will win the WSL this season? You know what, after Christmas, I'd, I was like, I thought City were playing like the best football. Obviously, that Arsenal result the other day, but I still think they can do it. Bunny's on fire. I just think Bunny, she is on fire. And you know what, I'd, I was speaking to her the other day and I feel like everyone's like, why is she doing so well this season? And just and I'm like, it's because she's playing, like she's playing regular, she's getting all them minutes and Obviously, last season, Ellen was playing, then she was playing. And I think then run of games, she just looks match fit. And, yeah. Who are you saying, Farah? Chelsea, Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> OK, I know you're a former Lioness, but who will win the World Cup this summer? Yeah, I don't have to sit on the fence. I don't think there's a better team there than us. I think when you see the likes of... Chloe Kelly coming off the bench, Lauren Hemp, Lauren James, what an addition. Um, yeah, I think since I retired, it's definitely the best squad, maybe because I did retire, but I think this is the best squad. Yeah, I'm a bit like, I still, I still, I still worry about our impact players. I feel like when you look at the summer, and it, it, at least there was a bit of experience with yourself and Ellen, so you kind of had that know how of tournament football before with Lucy and Bronze as well. Um, but you had your impact players. So you had the, you had Russo's coming on, you had Tune coming on, Chloe Kelly coming on. You'd come on and you, you know, do you know what I mean with that experience? So I'm like, when I look at the team now, if Frank Kirby's injured, you've obviously lost a, a star. But then obviously that impacts on your impact players. I mean, you've really only got a Chloe Kelly off the bench. I don't think they've been the same as what the group of players did last year. I could be totally. And I think that also, I also think the England team changes with Lauren James in it. She, the, her change of pace, the fact though, when she picks the ball up, usually I'd be like, pass the ball, pass the ball. When it gets to her, I'm like, just literally run past everyone. <laughs> but Farah, I remember you you dragging me at St George's Park to, it might have been like an under-16s game or something. There were trainers. She was there playing. She was playing. The pitch, yeah, and you were like, Jill, we're going to go and watch the young ones. And I was like, all right, let's go. And we stood there. It was freezing. You were like, just watch this player. And I'm going back about, God, it must have been over six years ago now. But you knew. You knew. And remember when I said to you, if she don't make it as a senior, established senior player, I said that youth coaches failed her. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, that. no, you did. You like, did. You were so. And I feel like with younger players, you give them a tough time. 
but with her <laughs> with her I've never seen you like be so excited about a player but I get it now I get it and finally across all the teams you've played for who would make your all-time five-a-side team no bribes Farah. all time all time this is really difficult right? I'll put Farrah in there Stop just going because I'm here. I better be. You better be mean this, Jill. Farron middle. Uh, Kelly Smith up front. I think alongside probably Lauren James. To be fair, I think mm. if I think about five aside players, um, I'll put God Carly or Killers, but I've I've got to put Rachel Brown in goal. <laughs> Rachel Brown, and, um, and then who's my Carly? And you're in trouble. <laughs> Two players at the back. You know what? Mary Phillips at the back, I thought she was a brilliant defender in terms of on the ball and stuff like that. So I put Mary in there. Jill, you're missing Anita. You're missing Karen Carter. I'm not even going to get involved. I know, five. but come on. I've only got only five. five. I've only got five spots. I'm just I'm putting it out there so they can get her. <laughs> Mary Phillips. Who else? I need like a I think you already have like seven. Oh, or you just said Lauren James, yes. Kelly, Farrah, Carly, Brownie. <laughs> no, yeah. Carly. Carly can't go and go with Brownie. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, I need, like, I'm going to go, right? Okay, I'm going to go Brownie and goal. Yeah. Then Mary Phillips is going to play at the back on her own, right? Yeah. Then I'm going to go Farrah and Kira Walsh. And then I'm going to mm. go Lauren James and Kelly Smith. That's six players. Is That's it? Six. Yeah. No, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. oh yeah, this <laughs> All right. Well, as I said, oh, that was a great six aside team. Yes, well done. We appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's been great. Six aside team. Yeah, yeah. Earth is manager as well. So, Jill, looking forward, looking ahead, we wish you all the best. We hope you don't go too into accounting or anything to do with numbers. I've got no chance <laughs> of that. No, but thank you so much for coming on, for having, for spending the time with us, hanging out, answering all the fan questions. Like, we just, we think you're amazing and obviously very, very loads of fun. I hated playing against you, but I much prefer having you on the podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> no, thank easy. you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 